Alrighty, we're in Job chapter 42 this morning. Job chapter 42. I always appreciate your politeness to the Sunday school hour. Y'all never know who you're going to get. You could have Brother John or a home run hitter like Brother John or Brother Tim. Sometimes you get the C team like me. Or you get the, you get the B side to an A track. With me, I was thinking about Brother Jack Wood's message a couple days ago. He's got that message on the Pony Express. And he's talking about preachers and how they're mailmen and how they're supposed to carry the mail. And I was out checking my mail a couple couple weeks ago and was looking at that mail. And, you know, you always get about a thousand advertisements every, you know, every week or so. And I thought, you know, us young preachers were kind of like those ads where... Not very deep, you know, they're kind of one-page ads, and they're not very deep, and they don't have very much to say. They're very loud, they got a lot of colors and stuff. But you get one of these older guys, you know, one of these preachers has been in this thing for a while, and you know, he's kind of like one of those UPS packages. You know, you'll track that thing from, you know, the moment it takes off, and you'll wait, and you'll plan that thing, and you're excited when that package comes in, and you can't wait to open it up, and because that package is what you've been looking for. And so, uh, by the grace of God, I'll be quick this morning and uh, get out the way, man. And so, Job in chapter 42, with that thought, we'll read the entire chapter. The Bible says here, chapter 42, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself, and repent in dust and ashes. And, and it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said unto to Eliphaz, and Eliphaz the, the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job hath. Evidently there is a punishment for not speaking what the Lord has you to say. Therefore take unto you now seven bullets, and seven rams, and go to my servant Job and offer up for, for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right like my servant Job. So Eliphaz the Tamanite and Gilead the Shuite Sh- and Zophar the, uh, the Namathite went and did according as the Lord commanded them. Lord also accepted Job. And the Lord turned the, the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came there unto him all his brethren and all his sisters and all they that had been of his acquaintance before and did eat bread with him in his house. And they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money, and every one an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and a 1,000 yoke of oxen, and a 1,000 she-asses. 
He had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima. That's where we get our pancakes from. And the name of the second Keziah. And the name of the third Karen Hapith. And in all the land were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. I like this right here. After this lived Job 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. We're thankful for this morning, Lord. I just ask that you touch this Sunday school hour. Have your will and way in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. For 41 chapters, we have seen that Job has been through it. For 41 chapters, we've seen that Job has been through life's university. There's no schooling like life's university. You can go to school and read all the books, but there's nothing like life to teach you some things. And for 41 chapters, Job has lost friends. He's lost food. He's lost fellowship. Job has just been through it. And for 41 chapters, Job has been through the biggest trial of his life. But for 41 chapters, but in 41 chapters, God transforms from the God of the Bible to the God of Job's heart. And in 41 chapters, Job learns who God is. Word becomes light. That light becomes life. And life becomes a reality for Job. And the, the first part of the chapter that we just read, Job is praising the Lord. You see, Job has learned the art of prayer. Job has learned what many Christians, what, what the disciples acknowledged that they didn't know how to do. Job has learned to do what many of us still lack in knowledge of, and that's the sweet fellowship that is prayer. Job has learned that there's so much more that can be done in prayer than that could be done behind the pulpit. Job has learned that there's sweet fellowship in that prayer closet. Job has learned that it's not about his wants. He's learned that it's not about his needs. He's learned that it's not about his deep, dark depression. He's learned that it's not about his troubles. He's learned that it's not about his sorrow and his pain. But he's learned that it's about praising him and about giving him the glory. Job realized that his troubles had not been hidden from the king. Job realized that his sorrows hadn't been forgotten. Job realized that God still remembered that. God still knew what, what, what he went through for the last 41 chapters. But Job just threw up his hands and said, God, I'm tired of crying. God, I'm tired of, of, of being sorry. And I'm tired of living in sorrow. And, I, and I'm tired of just laying here and, and, and wishing that I was dead. And God, I just want to thank you. God, I just want to lift up my hands and say, God, I praise you. Lord, if you did nothing else for me, I, I just want to let you know, Lord, uh, it'd be enough. Lord, if you just, it, 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 for all that you've done, God, it, it's been enough. And he's thanking the Lord and he's praising the Lord. Job has learned that this kind of prayer Gets the king's attention. This is the kind of prayer that God likes. This is the kind of prayer that gets stuck in God's nostrils. The kind of prayer that he enjoys to hear. The prayer that brags on him. Yeah. You know what us men like? We like to be bragged on. 
When we fix something, we like for everybody to know that we, do, that we did a good job. We lie for our wives to tell us, man, that, you did such a good job. And, and, you know, and we'll tell all the troubles and all the things that went wrong in building that just so we could hint at getting the, the glory of what we've just done. We like to know what a good job we've done. We like to know how good we fixed something. We like to know what good preaching we've done. You know, we, we'll, we'll tell our wives things like, you know, man, I, I flopped today. You know, you'll go to the extreme and you'll say, I flopped. Is you're, you're waiting for her to get you out of that ditch and just tell you, man, you did a good job and, and yeah. fill up that ego. <laughs> and, and, and we'll fish around for those compliments. But, but you know, the Lord did the exact same thing when he created this earth. He made the mountains steep and the, and the oceans deep. And he made all those things so that man will look around and say, what a good God that is. What a good God that is that would do that for me. What a, what a, what a, what a God that's so attentive to detail. You, you look at that fingerprint and you say, man, I'm the only one with this fingerprint. There ain't no one with, in this world with this fingerprint. Only God could do that. And so when you get into that prayer closet and you just start bragging on God, God shows up. God just shows up in that prayer closet with you. And that fellowship becomes real. And so when Job looked around and he saw himself and he saw that he had two hands and he saw that he still had two legs and the ability to speak and the ability to praise God, that's what he did. He just praised God for what he'd done and how he was still alive. Job, when his friends would walk by, Job would say, well, you're seeing me. You're not viewing me today. It's always good to be seen, right? I mean, you don't, you don't want to be viewed. If you're viewed, you're at the front right here in the castle. So Job said, you're seeing me. You're not viewing me. And so Job knew what it was like, and it could be worse. Job has been through the worst, and he said it could still be worse, and I'm just going to praise God that it's not the worst. Amen. And so Job looked, looked and, and he looked past his heartache, and he looked past the storm, and he just praised God. And so Job has learned that he is simply a speck of dirt in the span of eternity. He realized that he is nothing worthy of the land. And the Bible says here in verse number six that he sitting that he was sitting in ashes. And he's sitting in ashes because his life has been consumed. His pride has been consumed. His, all of his being has been consumed. His business has been consumed. His family's been consumed. And it's all there in the ashes for Job to sit in and praise God. He's finally, uh, like the Lord, he's realized that he's a worm and no man. He's finally gotten to that place where he realizes that that God has done more for him than he's done for God. And Job has learned that he did not know God like he thought he knew God. Job has gotten to that place where he realizes that he's, he knew that Bible. I mean, he knew how to rightly divide that Bible. I mean, he knew how to use it uh, offensively and defensively. I mean, he knew that Bible. He knew how to read it. He knew how to apply it. He knew doctrine. He knew scripture. He knew verses. I mean, he knew that Bible. But God didn't know the God of the Bible. God didn't know the God that existed on those pages. You know, you run into a lot of those guys, you know, that, that, you know, out on Facebook and in the ministry. I mean, they'll know that book and they'll they'll think that you're dumber than them, but they'll get up to preach and they got no oil, they got no breath, they got no oil on their preaching, no breath of God, because they don't know the God of the Bible. 
And I tell you, I tell you what, I'd rather listen to an old country preacher who knows God, who fellowships with God, who meets with him daily and can feed me. Amen. That's what we need. We need to be fed. That's why we come to church. That's why we come here. We come here to get fed. We come here thirsty. It's been a while since Wednesday. Amen. And so by the time we get to Job chapter 42, Job realizes all of that, all that he knew was worthless without knowing God. Job said about these things that he learned all in these 41 chapters. They were too wonderful for me. They were too wonderful for me. And Job said, I, I knew about the doctrine of the atonement, but now I feel it. Now I feel that doctrine of the atonement. He said, I, I had read that, that he was touched with the, feeling, with the feelings of our infirmities, but now I know he's touched with the feelings of my infirmities. He said, I, I, I'd heard that he gave songs in the night, but, but now I know those songs. Now I sing those songs. I know their melodies. And their words, they minister unto me. He's, and, and, and now Job in verse number five, now he says, now here in verse number five, he says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Now Job sees God as he is. You know, you can't know someone without seeing them. You can hear a lot about people. Not, but never actually know them. I've heard a lot of Brother Jack Wood stories. I mean, you hang out with some of these older guys, and, and I love, we love to sit around them and just listen to Brother Jack's stories. Yeah. One of these days, I'm going to get to heaven and say, I've heard of thee, but now I'm not seeing thee, Brother Jack. <laughs> I, I never got to meet him. One of these days, I'm looking forward to that. But you don't get to know someone until you've seen them. Now Job sees him. And so for the next few moments, I want to preach on this little thought. But now mine eyes see thee. First of all, we, we, so we're going to look at some things that Job saw in God. First of all, I want to look at Job saw God's grace through it all. The sweetest attribute of God is his grace. The sweetest thing that's ever been known and ever been bestowed upon man is his grace. That word grace is found 159 times in your King James Bible. It's one of the sweetest words you'll ever read. It's what got Noah safely in the ark. It's what led the Lord to, to Calvary. It's what got you and I saved. It's grace. It's always been by grace. It's the most radiant feature of God the Father. The first thing that we'll see Him, the first thing that we'll recognize when we see Him is His grace. We got here by His grace. And that word grace literally means to show favor upon someone. To bestow to someone kindness. In other words, to give someone what they don't necessarily deserve. That's it. Give them something better. That's right. can, I, can I tell you today, this morning church, that you and I, we don't deserve Christ. Amen. We don't deserve His death. When, when you look at how awful and how wicked we are, yeah. to think that someone would go to Calvary and die for us. Preach. To think that someone would go and take the beating for you and I, that's grace. That's grace. And Job saw this grace when he saw the Lord. Job remembered who he was in chapter 1. Job knew what he was in chapter 1. Job knew he had a perfect heart. Job had a perfect heart and Job knew that sin didn't nest in his heart too long. 
If, if there was something wrong in his life, Job got it quick. He got it right quick. He didn't let that thing fester in his heart. He didn't let the birds nest, you know, with, with those thoughts around his head. He, he shooed them away. Good. And the Bible says here in Job chapter 1 that he was perfect and he eschewed evil. He didn't let that evil stay stuck in his heart long. In Job's eyes in chapter 1, he was perfect. Job knew what the Lord said about him and he knew it. He said, I'm a perfect man. I got a perfect heart. His brothers knew he was perfect. His sisters knew he was perfect. Everybody in the town knew he was, he was perfect. I mean, everybody knew when you saw Job, this was an upright man. There walked a just man. There walked a man. He, he doesn't sin like the rest of us. I mean, he's way up here. We're way down here. And, and, and they, they knew who Job was. Job didn't see his, himself as sinful. Job didn't see himself as rotten. Job didn't look at himself and see a sinner. He saw a good man. He saw a just man and an upright man. He didn't see himself the way God sees the rest of us. Yeah. He, he, didn't, he didn't look in the mirror and say, there stands a man in need of help and that's thirsty and hungry. He didn't say that. He said, there's a man that's got it all figured out. And instead, instead, when Job saw everyone else, he said, I see their sin. I see their pleasure. I see their iniquity. I see all the things that are wrong with him. He saw everything that was wrong with everyone else. And, and Job looked down on them because of it. Job would, would stand and he would see the things that they do. And he would say, man, I got something better than they do. Look at me. Look at all my blessings. Look at, what, look at all that I have. And it's because of my just and perfect heart. And he looked down at them because of it. That's who he was in chapter 1. And when things went wrong in his friends' lives, when, when things went wrong in, 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 in his family's lives, Job could point to the things in their lives and say, friend, it was because of this in your life that the storm came upon you. It was because of this in your life that this trouble is now on you. He didn't look at them with compassion. He'd give them a list of reasons. He'd preach to them. He's probably a good preacher. He had to have been. He knew his Bible. And the Bible says in, in, in Job, in, in chapter 1, verse 5, that he went out to sanctify his own children. He went out and, and when he, for fear that God would, would bring trouble upon his own children, he went and sacrificed for his own children. And Job looked at his children, he saw their sin, he saw their leisure of the day, and how they wasted time drinking and being married, and he would bring sacrifices to cleanse this. But you never find in Job chapter 1 where Job is bringing a sacrifice for his own sin. You never see where Job is bringing a sacrifice to cleanse and sanctify himself. It was always for somebody else. You never find Job repenting of that which he's done wrong. Job can tell you what was wrong with everyone else but himself. Job was a good, fundamental, independent, Bible-believing Baptist. He'd look around and tell you what was wrong with everybody else, but not himself. Job did not, know, did not know what it was like to look at someone that was ate up with sin, someone that was helpless, someone who was hopeless, someone who was hell bound, someone who, was, who had no hope in sight, and look at them with compassion. No, instead, Job, when he would go to downtown Uz and go and visit the streets, He'd look at those bums and he'd look at the, the situation that they were in and he'd say it's because of their dope. It's because of their drinking. It's because they didn't pay attention in school. That's the reason why they're in with the position that they're in. 
He said, that's the reason why they're not successful like I am. Job knew what was wrong with everybody else except himself. But when Job, but in Job chapter 23, Job says, for God maketh my heart soft. There's nothing like a good trial to make your heart soft. There's nothing like a good storm to get your heart soft to the things of God. Now Job's heart is soft and he sees men as Christ sees men. And he's moved with compassion towards them. He sees men hopeless and depraved and in need of a savior. He sees their actions and he realizes that they simply do not know any better. He says it's not that they willingly do wrong. They just don't know any better. He said that flesh is just acting the way it is trained to act. And untrained and undisciplined. Now he realizes what Christ has realized. What Christ realized. And now Job takes this soft heart and he takes it to the lost world. And and in verse number 10, Job takes that soft heart and he prays for his friends. His friends that, that, that had brought him trouble. His friends that had blamed him. His friends that had not spoken the thing that was right of the Lord in verse number 7. He, he, he took those friends and he prayed for them. Job realized that he can do more through praying for them than he could by preaching to them. Job realized that there was more help that God could do for him, for them, like he did for Job, than he could ever do for them with a sermon. And Job takes what they had done to him and he takes it to the Lord. Job knows that his friends didn't act in malice. They didn't act intentional. They simply are him in chapter 1. Dare I say they were trained by Job to act like that? To go around and look at someone else's problems and say it had to be something that you've done? Because like Job, they thought they had a perfect heart. Job realizes that he was their teacher. And Job knows that they do not know the Lord the way Job now knows him. Job now has a relationship with the Father. They can't speak of those things which are too wonderful, wonderful for them. So instead of cursing them, instead of blaming them, instead of defending himself, Job just prays for them. And Job, when he prayed for them, he'd say, Father, be gentle when you break them. God, would you just be gentle when you break their hearts? God, would you just be gentle when you bring the storms into their lives? God, would you just be soft and remember me, God? Remember, the, remember my sorrow and remember my pain. God, would you just be gentle when you break their hearts? Job is moved with compassion for them. Men, secondly and quickly, Job saw God's forgetfulness when he saw God. You know what's the most amazing feature of God the Father? You know what's the most amazing thing about God? His ability to forget. His ability that when you go to the Father, He says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. What a thought. That God can forget all the things that we've done and see us justified and clean, dipped in the blood. The thought that the creator of the universe, the author of you and I, the one whom whom Job said that no thought could be withholding from, has the ability to forget. 
Paul told the Hebrews in, in, in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, he says that their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. He says, when you come and ask me about them, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Amen. But we as Christians, we as a church, we struggle with this thought. We struggle with this, with this inner being. Why? Because the mind is a sometimes terrible feature of us. We struggle with forgetting those things which have plagued us. Those things that we struggled with. Those things that we've done. And we look at the scars in our lives. And, and we recall the pain and the sorrow that we once caused in Almighty God. But, but Paul told the church at Philippi, he said, But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And Job here in our text had to forget some things. Job had to forget those things which plagued his mind. Job had to forget those things which had troubled him. For the last 41 chapters. Job had to forget about the reason why he was in this position. Job had to forget about the reason why he was repenting in ashes. You see, if it wasn't for Job's hard heart that God had to make soft in chapter 23. If it wasn't for Job's pompous thoughts about himself. If it wasn't for Job's own self-righteousness. If it wasn't for his own glorious thoughts of himself. Maybe, just maybe, he'd still have his friends. Maybe, just maybe, he'd still have his wife love him. Maybe, just maybe, he'd still have his children around. And Job had to struggle with that thought. Job had to, it must have been on Job's mind, after his heart was made soft, that it was because of that process that these, that these, these things happened to him. And, and, and if we're not careful, church, if we're not careful... We'll let the devil jump on our back and tell us, well, I'll tell you what, boy, if you weren't called to preach, that wouldn't have happened to you. If you weren't in church, those things wouldn't have happened to you. You see, God's trying to use you. You come to Shady Acres Baptist Church. You've heard from beyond the pulpit what God does and how God uses men through troubles and trials. And if it wasn't for your call, if it wasn't for your, the church that you're at, these things wouldn't have happened to you. And Job had to struggle with that. Job had to struggle with the thought that these things happen because God wanted to use him. And, 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 and the devil knows that and he, and he burdens the church with that thought. And secondly, Job had to forget about the destruction that the storm just caused. But when Job looked around him, everything was destroyed. Everything was in ruin. It's kind of like when you look at a, at a place that just got swooped by a tornado. I mean, it's just... Ruin. Ruin. They said up there in Joplin when that big old tornado went, went by that, that they didn't even know the landmarks. They, they couldn't even tell where they were at because everything had been wiped away. And, and that's what Job's life looked like. For Job, the, the blessing seemed so far. And, and they seemed so distant to Job's life. And, and, and Job, Job he, he realized that his, his business was wrecked. His business that he had built for years was destroyed. And, and for months, Job would sit and he'd stare at his phone. And he'd wait for that thing to ring. And he remembers the day when it would ring off the hook. 
And he remembers the day when they would call him and he was so busy. And, he, and they'd say, Job, I need a camel. Job, I need a she-ass. Job, I, need, I, I have some work for you. But now that phone doesn't ring. And Job, he sits there and he sees that. And that eats at his heart. And for months, Job had to watch his precious wife go down to that cemetery. He'd have to watch that wife of his go down and visit those babies that were laying there in dirt. And, and, and he'd listen to Mama Job just tell those babies about what was going on. How their lives were ruined. How they couldn't afford the bills anymore. How they were probably going to take away the farm. And, and, and he had to listen to, to Mama Job cry at night. He had to listen to that weeping at night. He, he, he had to watch her grow bitter at him. For months, Job had to listen to his wife cry and listen to her questioning him. And question God. And, and, and question all the things that had gone wrong. And listen to his own soul torment. Listen to his own heart say, why God? Why? You know, you've never been through a trial until you look up at God and you say, why God? Why? And for months, Job had looked at himself in the mirror and, and was reminded of his pain and his sorrow when he'd see the scars from him, from him scraping off the boils. And he'd see new boils emerge. He had to look at himself. And I'm sure all throughout the house there was pictures of a happy home. Of a, of a healthy Job and a healthy wife. And now he was probably skinny. Now he was probably a fraction of the man that he used to be. His hair was probably thin. And, 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 and he was probably balding. But at last when Job looked at that mirror here in chapter 42. He didn't see the pain anymore. He, he didn't see the sorrow that once flooded his life. He, he didn't see his dead babies anymore. He, he didn't see his broken-hearted wife anymore. He, he didn't see those things that once troubled him anymore. But instead, in verse number 5, he says, Now, mine eyes seeth thee. Now, mine eyes seeth thee. And Job looks in that mirror, and he forgets about the damage that the storm caused. And he sees things that are too wonderful for him to behold, too wonderful for him to bestow. And then lastly, and I'm done, Job sees the life that comes with the Lord. Job sees what life is really like. Job sees what it's like to actually live. You see, Job didn't know what it was like to live. Job was probably preoccupied with his business. Job was probably preoccupied with answering the calls because the lead was going to go away. Job was, 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 was busy. He was building, building a business. He was build, busy building a ministry. He was busy building a line. And then God just went and tore all that apart and, 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 and had, to, had to teach him some things. And now Job is going to realize what it's like to live. Man. You know what this, what this flesh craves? It craves life. It, 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 craves, it craves life and it craves it to have it more abundantly. It, it'll seek it in medicine. It, it, it'll seek it in technology. It, it'll seek it in education. It, it'll seek it in all sorts of things. It, it will spend millions of dollars just to have more of it. To, it, to be able to enjoy it. 
It, it will sacrifice constitutional rights and make you wear a mask and tell you that you can't go to Thanksgiving dinners just so that it's protected. It's, it, 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 people crave life. Why? Because we were created to live. When God created man in the garden, he created them to live. And then, of course, sin came in and death came into this world. But, 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 sin, but, but man still, inertly, without knowing God, without knowing the Bible, still craves life. And will crave it to have more abundantly. But the only way we live, the only way we're going to live through eternity is through him. The only way we have eternal life is through him. John said that he's the truth and the life. That he's the bread of life. Jo, 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 uh, sorry, John, John realized he's the truth of life and the bread of life. And, and in Job chapter 42 verse 16, the Bible says, And after this, Job lived. After this. After what? After the storm. After the songs in the night. After burying his children. After fighting with his wife, after his business being destroyed, after the strain in his marriage, after everything that could have gone wrong, after all of this, Job lived. Not one time do you find in chapter 1 Job living. Not one time do you find Job enjoying the things of life in chapter 1. Not, not one time do you find that phrase mentioned or throughout anywhere in the Bible. But Job, with his scars and his skinny body and his ruined life, is enjoying life. And in, 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 in verse 10, the captivity is turned from Job. The, 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 the captivity that once held Job for the last 41 chapters is now turned from him. And in verse 11, all his, breth- his brothers and all his sisters and all his acquaintances come and bring him a piece of money. I was talking to preacher dad on Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And we're talking about Job 42. And he says that book of Job became live during the passing of, of Miss Betty. And he said that, that, that book just became real to him. And he said he came off from evangelism for two years. To sit with his dying wife. And he said that. He said God I don't know how I'm going to do this. I just I don't know how I'm, how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to. You know when you're in evangelism that's paying the bills. And you're living paycheck to paycheck. And, and uh, offering plate to offering plate. And he said God I don't know how I'm going to do this. And he said that verse there. In, 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 chapter, in chapter 42 verse 11. And all his brothers. And all his sisters. And all those that knew Job came. And they brought him a piece of money. He said that became life. He said, that's how I got through those two years. He said, all, uh, he said money would just come from all over the place. And, 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 and when you think about Job 42 and you think about what he's gone through and you compare that to the life of preacher Daniel, that, that's, that's, that's it right there. That's the picture of it. And, and, and in verse 12, we see the blessings return to Job's life. The blessings return. The Bible says, so the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning." So if you will, humor me this morning. But there's a gap in between verse 11 and verse 12. There's a story to be told in between verse 11 and verse 12. So Job gets that money in verse number 11. 
And you know what he does with that money? He goes down to the cattle barn. He goes down to the stockyard. And he says, Mama Job, I want you to iron my Wranglers. I want you to press my dress shirt. I want you to shine my boots. I want you to dust my cowboy hat off. He said, I'm going to... I'm going I'm, I'm to you know, hitch that trailer up to the truck. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, go down to the stockyard and just sit there and enjoy what I used to do. If you've ever been to a cattle auction, you know that it's the thrill of a lifetime. I mean, you're watching cows go by. And, and every now and then, you know, they'll stay stuck right there. And you got the cowboy with the cattle prod. And he'll, you live for this. I mean, he'll zap that thing and that thing will... All fours come off and they start moving. And as a little kid, you think it's the biggest thrill ever. I still love going to the cattle auction. I still love to hear that auctioneer give that, uh, that auction cry. And, and so Job says, I'm going to go down to the cattle, the cattle auction and just have some fun. I'm going to do what I used to do. And, 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 so, and, and later on that evening, I can see Job pulling in with his cattle trailer and it's full of, of sheep, and it's full of oxen, and it's full of camels, and, and it's full of she-asses. And Job, Job runs into the kitchen, and Mama Job sees him come in, and she's thinking he just wasted all of this money on, on, on livestock. And, and Job comes running in. I, I can see the smile on his face. And him telling Mama Job, Mom, you're never going to believe what I got these cattle for. And she begins to tell him. And, and, and Mama Job says, but, but Job, what are we going to do about the bills? What are we going to do about the property taxes? Job, you know that the phone's not ringing anymore, Job. Why would you go and spend this money on livestock? And then Job says, but Mama Job, I was, in, I was passing by downtown. And, and I went by James Avery and I saw this pretty little necklace. And I said, Mama Job, you just have to have it. It would just look pretty on you, Mama Job. And he put that thing over Mama Job. And he says, Mama, I'm tired of crying. Mama, I'm tired of feeling sorry and being sad. Why don't we just, why don't we just waltz like we used to in the kitchen? Why, why, don't, we just, why don't we just put on that old record on, 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 that, on that turntable and just waltz like we used to? And I can see the laughter. I, I can hear the laughter and see the joy on Job's face. As, as that life begins to flow back into that kitchen. And, and I, can, I can hear that joy. And then I can see it nine months later. That, that, that midwife comes out with that baby. Yeah. And, and I can see her. I can see her holding that baby and say, Job, it's a girl, Job. It's a baby girl, Job. And Job grabs that baby. And he says, oh, my sweet, sweet Jemima. My sweet Jemima. <laughs> You, you, you know what that word Jemima means? It means gentleness. And so when Job held that baby in his hands, he saw the gentleness that God had when he broke him. And he sees the life that now is flooded in his heart. And Job holds that sweet baby and he holds it and, and, and life is flooded back into their lives. You see here in chapter 1, the, the children didn't have names. The, 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 you don't find here where the children had names. But now in chapter 42, Job gives them names. And the sound of family returns to Job's home. The, su the sweet sound of family. The laughter and the joy that had once so suddenly and swiftly left Job's home 
has now flooded through those doors. And he can hear the babies crying. He can hear them laughing. He can hear their joy. It's now returned. And we see here in the text that Job has seven boys and three daughters. The noise of boys has returned to Job's home. There's nothing like the noise of boys in a home. I was, I, 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 my wife babysits my nephews, Liam and Logan, and they're two and four, something like that. And those boys, when you come into that door, they are excited. And man, we ate supper. And man, we had a good time. I said, I'm going to put on Lester Roloff's The Family Altar Program. We're having a good time. I put that thing on and Liam jumps on my neck and he wrestles me down and Logan starts hitting me. And I'm thinking, bunch of heathens, man, I turn on Lester Roloff and the devil's go crazy. And so, <laughs> you know, but there's nothing like the sound of boys in a home. There's nothing like, I mean, dads love having boys to work with them, to keep the thing going. Dads like to have boys to keep that generation going. And so Job is now thinking, I have seven shots at keeping the family name going on. I have seven shots at keeping the family business going. And Job is just enjoying life. And, and, and I can see what we don't, I can see Job out in the field with his boys. I, I can see them loading the hay. And, and I can see them working the oxen and plowing the ground and just having a good time working with dad. And Job's probably thinking, I, I never experienced this with my other boys. My other boys were out having fun and drinking and being merry. He says, I never enjoyed that with them. But now the life is with those boys. And oh, I can hear the joy in the kitchen with Job's daughters. I can hear the, the joy that's taking place in that kitchen as, as they're like an assembly line of potato peelers and butter turners and, and stirs of the pods. And they're just having a good time singing. And, and the boys walk in from working and they can smell that food and they get that aroma. And, and they all sit down, all ten children sit down at that table to enjoy supper as a family. And Job is just having a good time. And, and then I can imagine that evening tide as the sun goes down. Job and his family, they sit there in that living room. And, and, and they gather there and Jemima grabs her fiddle. And, 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 and Kezia and, and, and Karen Hapuk, that's a mouthful, are singing melodies. And, and, and the boys grab their guitars and their banjos and their dobros and their stringed instruments. And they are just singing. And they're having a good time. And, and I can see Mama Job as she's sitting next to Job. And she's laughing. And she's having a good time. And all the things that happened in the last 41 chapters are... Long forgotten. And Job, he looks over the horizon. He, he looks at what he has. He, he listens to what he hears. He looks at that fireplace and he says, Now, and I see it thee. And now I'm living. Now, yeah. and I see it thee. Yes. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. We're thankful, Lord, for the Sunday school hour. I pray, Lord, you touch it, Lord, and God be with us. In the next hour, God, be with my pastor as he stands to preach. Fill him and use him. In Jesus' name, amen.